Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, well, let's just get after it. Part number two, part deux, for those of you who speak Francais. <laughs> I know there's a few of you, and we don't hold it against you. We appreciate it. We love you very much. It's all good. Um, this is... Uh, the second message in this installment in the series, though, with his, which is facts versus fiction. The funny thing happened to me this week. I was on uh, Facebook, or I think it was on Facebook, and I typically do um, kind of troll our Generation Church Facebook page just to see who's liking it, who's not, and I am keeping a list just like Santa Claus does <laughs> of those of you who are participating, those of you who are not, and um, I, got, I got kind of freaked out this week because I was trolling Facebook. And I got to our Facebook page that came up in my feed, and it said, fact-checked on it. And I was like, what happened? I didn't say anything to tick off the people at Facebook. I know I didn't say anything this time. It's happened to us once or twice, just so you know. Uh, And I was shocked to realize that I was faked out by our own graphic that our media team put in for, uh, for this series. And so uh, it, it, was, it was, I was like, that's a good graphic. They did a good job because they thought, they had me thinking I had been uh, somehow fact-checked again by the Facebook people. Um, <clears throat> of course, uh, well, anyways, that's what that is. So uh, today we're going to be in part two. And the title of today's message is Faith Fictions. Someone say Faith Fictions. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I'm going to need that in a moment. Makita? Will this even work? Probably not. Oh, all right, perfect. Thank you for that. Oh. All right, so uh, faith fictions. And I don't have time to talk about all the fictional aspects of faith that I see in our world, but we're going to talk about two this morning. And I hope that you will not just listen, but you'll actually take this and digest it. Um, Because faith is tied to salvation in a very important way. Very, very important. And if your faith is tied to the fictional idea of what faith actually is, not the real idea, then we can't really access all that God has for us because we're not on the same foundation that he's trying to build on. All right? So faith does have a relationship with salvation, and we know that it's important in the next steps of our journey with Christ. So having a biblical worldview, and this is what we encourage in churches, I hope, everywhere in the world, but but certainly in our church, we encourage a biblical worldview. Why? Because your worldview should be informed by the Bible. It should be informed by the Holy Spirit. And it should, absolutely, it should impact your political views, your relational expectations, your values. All of those things should actually be impacted and then become a reflection of God's heart for the world, which is what is revealed in the scriptures, which is the biblical worldview. Um, So mostly, though, a biblical worldview keeps us in the perspective of how God sees our world and helps us to grasp his preferred will for it. It defines our place in him, who we are, and what salvation actually is. It actually defines what faith is, who can be saved, why we need saving. I should point out that having a biblical worldview means that you are getting the Bible into your view. Because it's kind of hard to have a biblical worldview if all you get for Bible in your life is what you half listen to at church 
I know that doesn't really happen. I'm just saying it in case it does happen. Uh, you, you need the Bible in your view to have a biblical worldview. And furthermore, I want to add that having a biblical worldview is not what saves you from sin. There are people who have a biblical worldview, but I'm convinced they've never experienced Jesus. And so it's not that biblical worldview is what saves us. We're going to get to that more in a moment. But it's rather one of the changes that come with salvation by grace through faith. So here is uh, fiction number one. Fiction number one. I don't have enough faith or I don't have faith. Period. Anybody ever encountered someone who says this? I have. Good. You probably all have. Has anyone brave enough here to admit that you have felt this? I just don't have the faith. I've heard it. People in this church have said it to me. Pastor, I just don't have the faith. I don't have faith for that. Okay. Well, that's fair enough, but I want you to know right now that is a fiction. Everyone say fiction. Okay. So I hear it pretty often. I see it more often um, than people want to talk about it. And you could be sitting in church this morning. Your faith feels weak, feels non-existent. And I can appreciate that feeling in a very personal way because I, too, struggle with this sense of having faith or enough faith. But there's more to it than what we think about it, and that's what's so important. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. We all understand that. We talk about it here at Generations Church quite often. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now what most people do when they read Ephesians 2 8 is they think that the gift of God is the grace. And grace is a gift from God. But grace is God's divine unmerited favor. And I just want to point out something in how this is, this is from the NIV, and not all translations of the Bible will put those little dashes right there, but what those dashes are doing in the grammar is actually connecting the thought specifically to one part of the thought. And so it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, dash, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God that's not of yourself? Actually, it's faith. Now, the great, that doesn't diminish the grace of God. It's just we need to understand clearly what Ephesians is saying is that faith is the gift from God through which we are saved by grace. And it's not by works because it's by faith so that no one can boast. Faith is a gift. Faith does not come from you. What? I know some of you are going to think that doesn't sound right. But let me tell you, it's what God's word says. Faith does not come from you. It actually comes from God. The act of believing comes from you. And that is an act to believe in action of believing. That that comes from you. And, And we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. But understand this. Everyone say, faith is a gift. Say it one more time. You don't sound convinced. Faith is a gift. There we go. And it's a gift from who? It's a gift from God. You want to know why God has a gift of faith to give us? Because he is faithful. See, God, God gives us things out of the merit, the value, the reality of who he is. And apart from him, the Bible actually says, all things came into being through him and nothing that has come into being came into being apart from him. And faith is the same. God gives us faith because he alone is purely faithful. No one else is. Any faith that you could receive as a gift from someone else is going to be tainted by faithlessness. 
because we have all been unfaithful at some time concerning something in our life. Only a perfect God could give whole faith in the reality of what it can be. That is why it is a gift of God, not of yourselves. So important to remember this. The act of believing is where our part comes to play, and that's important. Romans 12, verse 3 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think is to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, so faith is something that is given to us by God, and God, it says in, in Romans 12, 3, that God has given us each a measure of faith. Now, maybe you feel like you have a cup full. Maybe you feel like you have 10 gallons. Maybe you feel like it can only be in the metric system, so you have milliliters. Maybe you measure it as mass, and so it becomes kilograms. But we've been given a measure of faith. And don't worry in this moment about what that means. Exactly. Well, what measure? Doesn't that, doesn't that quantify an amount? And don't worry about what it quantifies in terms of an amount. Let's just start with the fact that God has given each one of you in this place a measure of faith. You don't have a choice in that matter, by the way. You have a measure of faith. And you're choosing right now what to do with that faith, even if it means to say by faith, I don't believe in faith. Now, this is the irony of some of the discussions I've been in, some of the arguments I see online. Why is it that people who don't believe in God are so mad at him if they don't believe in him? See, right there, that dichotomy does not work. If you didn't believe in God, you would have no emotion for or against. And there are people who will say, well, I don't have any emotion about it. And then why four seconds later are they fuming mad? Right, guys, we, <laughs> we all have a measure of faith. God designed us this way. He designed us to receive faith from him. And it is a reality in our lives. There is no doubt in my mind about it. Faith is God's work. Faith is never the work of people. We cannot produce faith ourselves, nor can we drum it up at will. Rather, faith comes as Christ speaks the rhema word within us. Faith comes because God is talking to us. Faith, and you say, well, where does it say that in the Bible, Pastor Trav? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. What's the word of Christ? Well, the, the word of Christ is the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And here's what's amazing is everywhere the gospel is preached, the gift of faith is dispensed into the lives of people. And when the gift of faith comes into the lives of people, they all of a sudden have the ability, the option to begin to trust, to begin to believe in Christ. Now, it's very important that we understand this in this order because we cannot produce faith ourselves. It has to come from somewhere. So let me ask you this really potent question right now then. How much gospel are you sharing with the faithless people in your life? Well, Lord, I just pray again tonight for my unsaved so-and-so who's in my life, boss, uncle, auntie, dad, mother, son, daughter, whatever it is you fill in your blank. But Lord Jesus, man, I just, God, I just pray that you would bring them to faith in you. How can they believe if they have not heard is what Scripture teaches. 
Heard what? Heard the good news about Jesus. You see, if you're not speaking words of life into people, there is actually no opportunity for faith to come into their life because faith is a gift that is given to people. And that faith comes to people by the declaration of God's word. Of Christ, the words of Jesus. Tell you what, the words of Jesus will bring more faith into your loved one's life than all the prayers of your life combined. Now that's a pretty proud statement I just made. But I want you to know, I absolutely believe it to be true. And I am not saying it is invaluable or unvaluable or not valuable to pray for people. Of course it's valuable to pray for people. And of course God answers prayers. But you need to understand what it is you're praying for. If you're praying for faith to come to someone you love, you and the people around them who have faith already are the, are the media by which God wants to bring faith to them. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. Come on, and that's the, that's the rhema word, just so you know. It's not just reading Bible verses. It's actually, having, it's actually having the audacity to speak spiritual life by the Holy Spirit into people. It's the truth. When the gospel is preached, God dispenses faith. When the gospel is preached... God dispenses faith. And that's because of his grace for us. His grace is required so that faith can be released. There's no doubt about that. And we might be right, even though it falls a little bit short, we might be right to think of it as a, as a catalyst. That faith is the catalyst that works to make grace become something in our life. How many of you have seen the grace of God enacted in people's lives and they're totally unresponsive to it? I see it all the time. People will say things to me, and I'm like, you know, in the Old Testament, God would have just evaporated you for that. <laughs> he would. But there's this thing called grace, which comes from God. <laughs> grace is God's thing. You know, that grace really can't come from people either, not, not, not in the divine sense for sure. And, um, and, and so, so God actually dispenses, he gives his grace, he reaches out, he shares his grace, it's who he is, and with that comes faith, but faith is that catalyst, it seems like, that causes his grace to come into effect in our lives. Because without it, God's grace may be affecting us, but we are not changed by it without the application of faith. It's like a catalyst. It changes something in the chemical makeup of who we are, and we begin to become more like Christ. And that, and that analogy, by the way, does fall short of capturing it. It's so much more than that. It really is so much more than that. But listen, you cannot not have enough faith because it's not yours to give or to stir up to begin with. Sorry, it's not yours to, to dig up and to create. You can stir faith up. Let me just say it since I've stumbled into that anyways. You need to stir faith up within yourself. And if you can just picture this with me, that faith is like, um, this is a horrible example, but Tang. Everyone remember Tang? The orange drink, Tang? Who liked Tang? Anybody? I feel like you got to be in the military to like Tang. It's, it's like we're in Afghanistan or some part of the world where it's hard and hot and the fighting is intense. And it's like Tang, in that situation, Tang could be a refreshing drink. All right, but have you ever experienced this with Tang, that when you, when you mix up a juice mix like that, that you, if you just pour it in there, what happens? This happens with Kool-Aid, too. You know, the sugar you put in Kool-Aid. What happens? 
It all settles down to the bottom. And if you take a drink of that, what happens? It tastes disgusting, doesn't it? It's like this, this is green, but it doesn't taste like green. This is orange, but it doesn't taste like orange. It's kind of like when I go to Tim Hortons sometimes and get a coffee. Two cream, one sweetener. Standard every time in a dark roast. Just saying, in case you need to know that for some time in the future. Um, <laughs> but you know, from time to time, those wonderful people over at Tim's, they forget to stir the sweetener. And I don't know if you realize what happens with sweetener is it just goes straight to the bottom too. And so the way it works with faith is faith is given to us by God and it becomes a part of our life. It's in our life. But if you are inactive in faith, it will settle in your life. And that's why scripture tells us to stir the gifts up with us, in us. And you can stir up a gift of faith in yourself specifically by praying in the spirit. Just so you know, be built, Jude 20, be built up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, now understand you're not being built up in faith because you possessed it, but rather God has possessed it and is giving it to you. And if you are inactive, faith will settle to the bottom of your soul and it will appear as though you have no faith. And what you really just need to do is begin to pray in and by the Holy Spirit. He will begin to stir up the things in your heart, stir himself up in your heart, and all of a sudden, oh, it tastes like tang. Okay. If I start saying that again later in my notes, just cut me off, babe. All right. Okay, so the the fiction of faith, number one, I don't have enough faith or I don't have faith. Not true. You might feel a certain way, but we all should know better by this point in our lives, even if we're only 10 years old. The feelings can be awfully tricky, and they can be awfully hard to trust, and so we should learn how unwise it is to trust our feeling. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. We need to trust the infallible Word of God. We need to trust His voice in our life. Okay, uh, fiction number two. Faith is believing as hard as I can. Have you ever, have you ever had to do this before? Have you ever had to have the poop experience of faith? Yeah, I know this is going too far for some of you. But you just have to forgive it, all right? Some of you try to have faith as hard as you can, and I just got to tell you, it looks like you're trying to have a poop and things aren't going well. (laughs) So awkward, isn't it? Isn't it awkward? It's really awkward, right? I want to tell you something. Guys, it's awkward in the spiritual realm too. It's awkward for everybody. Like I feel like even Satan's like... Uh, what? Uh, I don't think I need to do anything here. I'm out. <laughs> right? Because you're sitting there all constipated in the spirit. And I forgive the vulgarity of it, but I, I, just, I just think it really actually fits. We're sitting there pushing and struggling and... Uh, 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 because we think we got... We think that having faith is just to believe harder. That's not how it works. That's not how faith is designed because the one who is faithful didn't design faith to be that. Do you think God has to grunt when he does anything? When God spoke the world into being, was he like, no. When God breathed the ruah, the breath in Hebrew, into man formed from dust, did God have to, like he was lifting a heavy weight? No. He simply, he breathed out. Man, the hardest thing for us to do is the most relaxing things God can do. 
God creates by breathing out. Get that, get, just get that imagery into your head, church. It's not hard with him. That's why Jesus can say, what's harder for me to say that your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk? Neither is harder for him because what God does is never hard for him. The hardness of faith, the believing as hard as we can to acquire faith is a fallacy that we have bought into because of some poor teaching and some poor understanding over the generations to what God is and isn't doing according to our will. I want to just say that the word faith and the word I don't go together the way we think about it. They don't. Do you have faith for that? I have faith for that. I and faith don't go together the way we think. And part of that problem is our misunderstanding that we believe faith and belief are the same thing. But faithing and believing are not the same. Do you want me to wait till you figure out what I just... Never mind. Now, they can be awfully similar, and there are places in English translations of the Bible where the word pisteos is used for belief, but it comes back to the understanding in that instance where they use the word belief that it actually is talking about faith, not belief. The word for belief is actually a different word. And you see that most times it's mentioned throughout Scripture. So faith and belief can be the same thing, assuming that the definition is understood. And I don't have three hours to fully dissect this for you today. So in the time we have... I want you to listen to what I say, and then I would invite you to go and use a simple tool, something like Bible Hub or Biblos on the Internet, and you can discover these different words in these different passages. Um, and you should, you should do that, because just hearing from me is not enough. You need, you need to hear from the Spirit of God directly multiple times throughout the week. Um, so as I am studying the words... It seems that faith is the God part and belief is the I part. Faith is God's part. Believing is my part. In that we do have a choice to make with regard to the faith that we receive. And that, we, and, and that would be to put our belief or our trust, or you could, again, you could use the word faith, or you could even use the word hope in him or in what he said. So faith is the gift that God gives, and belief is my response to his gift. Now, something amazing happens. Um, if I have a chair, I just need a chair, and I need a big man. Stephen, you're a big man. Stephen, you're a, you're a big man. Um, would you please sit in that chair? Now, I noticed when everybody came into church today that none of you checked your chairs to see if they would hold you up. Did anybody check the chair? I, there was a time in Generation Church where we used really sketchy gray chairs, and we, I, we prayed over the chairs back then. <laughs> now, we didn't really pray, Lord, just please let this chair make it through another service, but there was a time when there were some pretty horrible chairs around here. But, uh, Stephen, uh, would you, do you say you trust that chair? Yes. Do, do you, have you put a certain amount of faith in that chair even? Yes. Yeah, you, as in, you, you assume it's going to hold you up. 
Uh, and I, I also would assume uh, the same thing, Stephen, that that chair is going to hold you up. And is there any reason why you should doubt that that chair will hold you up, Stephen? Uh, no. Okay, that's good. Because I just want you to know that believing is such an important part of faith. Because if you believe hard enough, Stephen, I want you to know that no matter what happens, that chair will continue to hold you up. Do you believe, Stephen? No, I'm not so sure what I said. <laughs> Stephen, what could go wrong? Stephen, just, just believe harder, okay? okay? Believe. Are you believing, Stephen? How, how about now, Steve? Are you, Stephen, are you believing with me today, brother, in faith that... Uh, Stephen, do me a favor. Bounce up and down a bunch of times on the chair. I wouldn't wreck a $20 chair, you guys. Come on. Stephen, thanks. We have a funny perception about how things are supposed to work. We look at a chair. Oh, sorry, Tice. I actually, I maybe marred that chair just a bit. But the blade was backwards, so it's superficial. I hope. Now everybody's going to be checking to see if they had the analogy chair in the coming weeks. Wait, is that the chair pastor used for an analogy? I don't think I should trust it. Um, see, f f faith and belief do have a relationship, but we often have them in the wrong order. We often have them in the wrong order. And this is very important for us to understand. Stephen might believe without a doubt that that chair will support him. But when I start cutting into the legs of that chair, how did that affect everyone? And everyone in this room, how did that affect your faith in the chair? Well, negatively, why? Because your belief in what the chair could do began to change. Understand the difference. Faith that this chair would hold us up was a foregone conclusion before I started cutting the legs out from under it. But when trial came to the chair in the form of a Makita, a much inferior tool compared to Milwaukee, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pastor. I don't work with my hands, right? I mean, <laughs> just kidding. I do. Um, something, something happened to your belief Something happened to Stephen's belief when the appearance of the saw working on the chair legs. And, and you know, here, here's what's profound to me is that belief can have a horrible impact on faith when we keep things in the wrong order as sons and daughters of God. Now, if Stephen was a real man of God, a real man of faith, he would have known that I would never cut the legs out from under his chair. I mean, would I really be a good pastor if I did that to someone? The guy with the <laughs> that was given to me by the elders of this church. I can only presume to rule over this church. <laughs> and now, Jade, you will have an appointment with that chalk prod next Sunday. The anointing is coming to you, brother. The anointing is coming. I'm just kidding. I love Jade. I love him so much. I just want, to, want it to be a shocking experience the next time we're together. Oh. See, here's the beautiful thing about real faith. While, while our beliefs, based on what we see, 
cause us to question faith. Cause us to, and remember, faith is perfect coming from God. It's intact. It's whole. It's everything it needs to be. But what we see, which is why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, silly. What we see changes our belief, which changes our relationship with faith. But can you understand this morning that faith doesn't change just because your belief does? Why? Because faith came from God. Belief comes from your decisions. It's very important to understand this. Very important to understand. Here's a beautiful thing about faith. Faith, because of its divinity, carries a lot of gifts with it, one of which is wisdom. And so in no time, at no time whatsoever this morning was Stephen really in danger. Why? Because the issue wasn't whether or not this chair would hold him up if I cut the legs out from under it. The issue came to be whether or not Stephen would exercise the wisdom to stand up before the legs were gone. Am I wrong? Guys, it's exact, this is exactly how faith and belief work in your life. It's the truth. You will see things and you will experience things that will not have to shake your faith if you put your perspective in the right order with God's order. This is why Scripture tells us you walk by faith, not by sight. It's why the Israelites were told not to open their mouths at all while they walked around Jericho. Our, our yapping and constant nattering gets our souls, our minds, our, our, our physical beings into more trouble than anything else because somehow we equate believing to be of the greatest value when really faith is of the greatest value. Let it sink in. I'm telling you, this could change your life. See, we have, Charles Price says it this way, we have made faith a condition of mind when in truth it's a divinely imparted grace of the heart. We can receive faith only as God gives it. You cannot manufacture faith. You cannot work it up. You can believe a promise and at the same time not have faith to appropriate it. Let me just read that again. I think it's important for you to hear. You can believe a promise and at the same time not have the faith to appropriate it. Genuine scriptural faith is not our ability to count it done, but is the deep consciousness divinely imparted to the heart of man that it is done. Charles Price, he's smart in the spiritual sense. And you know what? It's okay this morning, church, if you're sitting there and you're not quite grasping that. That's okay. The, the, these, these little words, little two-letter words that can change the entire meaning of a topic. Count it done. Or to know that it is done. Faith is God's to give. And therefore, we might set ourselves up to think in a wrong pattern that somehow faith is then God's possession and not our own. But here's the beautiful thing about a gift. How does a gift work? If I give Ed something, I don't know, just for fun, what? Brand new, what do you want? A brand new pickup? Brand new sled. Done. <laughs> I have a brand new sled to give to Ed. 
I don't know what I'm going to ride after I give it to you, but I'm going to ride Roland. Okay, deal. So I take a brand new sled. It's mine, right? It's my, I, I bought it, I paid for it, it's mine. I own it. Maybe even I built it. Maybe I dreamed it up and it came into being. A divine sort of sled. But what happens when I take that possession which is mine and give it to Ed? What happens to that thing? It becomes his what? It becomes his possession. What was my possession becomes his possession because I gave it to him. And this is important for us to understand in the conversation of what fictional faith is and what real faith is because we need to come back to this very simple truth that if it was God's to possess, but he gives it, upon receiving it, it becomes ours to possess. So it's not wrong to have faith. It's not even wrong to say, my faith, as long as your thinking is in the right order of where your faith actually came from and what it actually is. Because many people, when they say my faith, are talking about a cultural thing that they believe in. They're talking about an intellectual journey that they have been on to come to a conclusion about what they believe, but that's not faith. Faith is divine in its merit. It's divine in its nature. It's divine in its reality in that it only comes from God. It can only be brought into the lives of men by the word of God. It is a supernatural giving of a gift that does become yours to possess. James 2:14 to 20. What good is it dear brothers and sisters if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? You know, in the Travis Hansen translation it might even read is that even real faith? Verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God, good for you. That is an entirely sarcastic good for you. If you don't believe sarcasm is in the Bible, you're missing out on a lot of understanding of God's word. Good for you. You're so special. That would be the Travis Hansen translation as well. <laughs> Thank you for that snort laugh. I receive it. <laughs> Oh, you know it's landing when that happens. Uh, good for you. I just even love adding some really snotty tone to that. It's like God's just, oh, good for you. Goofball. Even the demons believe, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So listen, the fallacy that faith is believing Faith is believing as hard as I can. I mean, I really could have just used this one verse, verse, uh, verse 19, I suppose. But if faith is believing as hard as you can, then the demons, frankly, have more faith than you do. Why do I say it? Well, because the demons actually tremble. And people just generally sit there with a stunned look on their face. If, now hear this, if that's what faith is, which it's not. See, the demons, Satan himself, they believe 
in God. Oh, they do. They believe in him. But let me ask you the million-dollar question. Do they have faith in him? No, and that's why they've been cast out of heaven. That's why they're left to roam the earth and try to hurt you and I, God's creation. Because they believe but don't have faith. My friends, that is a place you and I never want to be. A place where we believe, we think that we believe, but we truly are not stirring up the gift of faith that God has put in us at the moment of our salvation. That gift of faith is meant to be stirred up in your life. You know, this is why adversity is coming to the church. If I can just take a moment and and just give you a little word of realization, you might even call it a word of knowledge for our church in North America right now. We are being shaken and we are being stirred. The book of Hebrews tells us that all things that can be shaken are being shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. But you know the beautiful thing about shaking is that powder in the bottom of the pitcher is, is getting agitated right now. And you might look at our situation, and you might be exhausted, and you might be tired, and you might be frustrated. You might be mad at the government. You might be mad at people who aren't wearing masks. You might be vaxxed or unvaxxed and mad at everybody. It doesn't matter because what God is doing is stirring us up. And this opportunity we have presently is for the gift of faith in our life to once again be stirred up in the church of North America. And we need to realize what's going on. I don't like it when God shakes my bottle. Then stir up faith. Stir it up. But, but I, can't, I can't work it up myself. I, you aren't going to work it up yourself. You're going to Jude 20 that. You're going to Jude 20 that faith. Be built up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Guys, I spent at least half of my prayer life praying in tongues. Well, Pastor, I don't believe in tongues. Well, I'd like you to come and read the Bible with me for a few months, and then we'll see where you fall after that. Uh, It makes me uncomfortable. Good, because your option is to be uncomfortable and stir yourself up or let God stir you up. Your choice. See, for those of us who are walking in faith in these times, not just a belief that God is doing something great, and don't get me wrong, I don't feel this good every day. But you see, when I know the purpose for the shaking, it's more like a ride than a nightmare. Come on. It's an awful lot like a ride rather than a bad dream. You've got to use your faith for something. Faith unused settles in the bottom of your heart. And you become a murky, orangish drink that no one will even enjoy till the end. And then, frankly, at the end of it all, you're so strong, everybody wants to spit you out anyways. Gross. You get to use your faith because it actually shows others what faith really is. Faith without works is like receiving a plant. Worship team, you can come back up. Faith without works is like receiving a plant from a friend. All the ladies in the church, because I know it's very few men, put your hand up if you've received a plant from a friend. Who's done it? Come on. I know there's more of you. Stop being so shy. Okay, how many of you, hands down, how many of you within a few weeks has watched that plant wither and die? Put up your hand. Every head bow, every eye closed. This is just between you and the Lord right now. We've seen this happen. It's happened at my house. 
It, it has. There was a time. Amy, Amy now is a plant, uh, I don't know what to call her. She, is, she, can, she's a, she has developed a green thumb by the grace of God, and she's very good at it. Uh, but faith is like that plant you get from your friend, and so often that plant that comes into your home from your friend within a few weeks is dry and withered and crispy, crunchy even. Now, this is what faith is like. God can give you faith, and you might come to a relationship with Jesus, and you're saved, and that's wonderful, it's awesome, it's, hey, praise God, this is such an exciting thing. But you see, faith without works, faith without growth, faith faith without change in your life makes you a dead plant that just becomes crispy. It's still divine, it's still a plant, but it's dying, and it's dead. And eventually it's just a little pot full of dead plant, dead soil, no life in it at all. But if you actually look after that plant, if you water it the right amount, if you do a little Google search on the Internet, how do I keep such and such plant alive? You phone a friend. My point here is if you discover some community that knows something about keeping a plant alive, see where I'm going? I know too many Christians who think, I don't need a church, I don't need a this, I don't need a that. And their faith looks like that plant a friend gave them. And there's no opportunity for good works. If nothing else, the church family will give you the opportunity to serve, if nothing else. I'm going to stop preaching at that. But I invite you to consider this message today. You should study it. That word faith in the Greek is amazing. And it's used so often. So, so often. And I invite you to consider it and to look it up and read the verses I've shared with you today in their context. Why would I ask you to do that? Because our understanding of faith is vital to this life in Christ. There's too many lies about faith out there impacting your identity in Christ. And make no mistake, they are impacting your identity. Who and how you see yourself to be in Christ. Now in light of what we've talked about today, I want to leave you with one last verse. It's Hebrews 11.1. Very important that you read this verse in the context of our conversation today. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title, the deed, the confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. And it's the evidence of things not seen. That is the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by physical senses. Faith. Factual faith is this. Faith that can change your life is God's to give, yours to receive, yours to believe on, Yours to share. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. So, Father, I just lift every person in this room and watching online even this morning, Lord, before you. Lord, we thank you today for the gift of faith. We thank you for this powerful, divine reality in our lives. And, God, I pray that today as we have 
been examined by your word. Lord, that we would yield our beliefs, that we would yield our patterns, we would conform from the images of the world to the image of your son and how we think about this powerful word. Holy Spirit, guide us into the truth of what it is throughout this week. Lord, let us be changed today in your presence, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.